0: Everybody and welcome back to the show You're listening to Firearms Cafe I'm your host, Tony Brown Today is Saturday, the 16th of February, 2013 The show is part of the Gun Rights Radio Network Podcasting Freedom One show thingy at a time or something like that I don't know Hey guys, hey this is going to be guys, the new Stitcher, new Stitcher commercial? commercial. kind of tired, I'm tired of the old stuff. stuff. Anyway, anyway here's anyway, how, how Stitcher works. You go get go the app, app you put, put it on, on, your phone, phone, on your phone, and then you can then make, then make, a, make a, list a list of what of shows, shows you want, show you want listen to listen to. And then as long as that show is available through Stitcher, you can stream it. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206745. 2731, or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a send voicemail tab. When you click on it, you'll be able to send up to a 10-minute message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe sub-forum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey guys, let's do a little bit of follow-up on some of the uh, stuff that we had in previous shows. I got some emails in uh, regarding the thing about the 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 uh, active military or vets getting a discount. That was one of the bills that was proposed here in Arizona, that they would get a discount on hunting licenses. And fishing licenses, and I said that I didn't like that because it cre- we were using the legislative process to basically make a privileged class, uh, and no matter what you whether you thought that was the the people who were getting the privilege deserved it or not, uh, or that it would be uh, you know what you consider to be an appropriate reward that we shouldn't use legislation to do that. So I had some people write in. Some said, "Hey." you know, I agree with you. Some say I didn't, you know, I don't agree with you. But what everybody said was, is, you know, thanks for explaining it. And thanks for going into detail about why you think the way that you did. And so some people said, Hey, we'll just sort of agree to disagree. And other people said, Hey, we agree with you. So, um, we've also got a couple other file, uh, excuse me, follow up emails. When I was talking about when Feinstein had, when she was originally holding her press conference and how she had all the police people behind her, and I was saying, well, a lot of times those people are chiefs or are sub-chiefs. And I was asking about, well, how are they appointed? I knew that some were appointed by the mayor and other, people, uh, other cities and states I didn't know. So John wrote in and he said, uh, you asked how chiefs are selected. And he said, I'm a city councilman. And in our city, the city council controls only the hiring of the city manager. And then the manager controls the hiring of the chief of police and other city staff. Some cities could handle this differently, such as appointments by the mayor or the city councils directly. Either way, the chief has to answer to the mayor and the council. I know that my sheriff is quick to remind people that it's called the sheriff's office, not the sheriff's department. He answers directly to the citizens and is not a department of a larger political subdivision. And it kind of brings... Uh, to mind a lot of the things that we've seen or, or that you maybe are seeing on the news when, when they're saying like a lot of sheriffs are writing letters or they're coming out with statements saying that the sheriff's department will not enforce any federal mandates that are coming down. Uh, and again, you know, the, the sheriff is elected. So the the idea behind that is that he would be more beholden to the people because the people are actually voting and electing him. And, and would be less likely to be beholden to a, a a particular political group. So whether the, whether that political group is Republican or Democrat, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, let's see, what else did we get? I also got a thing in from Mike, and he wrote in. and he said, Tony, I keep hearing that people are putting more focus on shotgun training now that, Any type of carbine, so AKs and AR-15s are in short supply, and ammo is nearly impossible to get. With my recent purchase, which was post-election and pre-Newtown Panic, of a Remington 870, I think I might have done it at the right time. Also, how's the Kydex projects coming along? Shotguns and Kydex would make a good show topic. I'm thinking of getting some Kydex to mold some shot shell caddies for the belt. I have a toaster oven. Well, not one in the kitchen, but I do not have a heat gun. Which do you use or prefer? Thanks. And again, that's from Mike. So let's look at a couple of those things real quick. First thing let's talk about, Mike, is we'll talk about the Kydex stuff. Having a toaster oven as opposed to a heat gun, it's going to be fine. And it all depends on what you're making. And it depends on the thickness of the, of the material that you're using and all that stuff. The, uh, um, you can also use a hairdryer. dryer. doesn't necessarily have to be a heat gun. A heat gun will just get hotter faster and, uh, will be made to last a little bit longer than the hairdryer. But, you know, you could, uh, but I think you can pick up a heat gun at Harbor Freight or someplace like that, or maybe even up on the, uh, you know, what's it called? Craigslist or something like that for probably $15, $20 and you should be fine. The, the one advantage that a heat gun does give you over something like a toaster oven is that you can put that heat in a very specific place if you want. Uh, but And and again, it's going to depend on the thickness of the kydex that you're getting. It's going to depend on what you're making, how many bends you're going to have to do, that type of stuff. With a toaster oven, a bit of advice. What you don't want to do is preheat the oven. You do not want to... Take whatever you're going to mold and put it into an oven that's at 350 degrees or 310 degrees, wherever you want. Depending on on the thickness of the Kydex, they have what an optimum temperature to work with, uh, where you can get real good molds and all this other type of stuff and get good definition. At this stage in the game, probably for you, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But if you if you take a, a, sheet, a little sheet of Kydex and you place it in a preheated oven it's too much heat for it. And what happens is it kind of, it'll contract and shrink and it will gloss. So make sure when you put your Kydex into your to your oven, just stick it in there, then turn the oven on and then slowly bring your temperature up. If you're using a heat gun, you'll be able to see as you move it back and forth over the thing and you'll be able to tell when it gets kind of floppy and, and and when you'll be able to work with it at that point. And again, as far as which I would prefer... Again, it depends on what you're making. Uh, I think if you're if you're going to do a lot of stuff with it, you kind of need both. And you also have to get a toaster oven that's going to be big enough to accept some of the pieces that you're going to want to mold. Again, depending on what you're going to mold. As far as the shotgun training and stuff, you know, I think if I remember right, even back in 08 when uh, in the great ammo shortage of kind of 8, 9 and partly partly into 10... I can remember going into the Cabela's and some other places, and there was always 12 k shotgun ammo available. Now, sometimes there wouldn't be buckshot, uh, a double out buckshot, I should say, and sometimes there wouldn't be any slugs, but there was always the birdshot. So I think, you know, like you were saying, if you were going to take a, a shotgun class for training even if they wanted you to bring in a certain amount of slugs, if you said, well, look, I I I can only find 10, they can say, well, we can modify the class. And, and for you, you know, you just won't be shooting slugs at a certain time, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, maybe we can, everybody can donate one slug shell to you to where you can have the required number. Um, also with the ammunition, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but with the ammunition, what I've been noticing is this when I'm going to the websites, just to check, And kind of see what's out there and to see when stuff is going to start to come back in I've been noticing that depending on where you're going stuff will kind of come in it'll be there for a couple of days then it goes right out again but at least stuff is available now I haven't been doing a lot of reloading lately so I haven't really been kind of in the market to replenish supplies and stuff that I have so I'm not real sure on how the where the component market is and, and things like that. I'm sure probably primers are very hard to find, uh, especially small rifle and and uh, and small pistol. So things, you know, that again you would use for that 223 or that you would be using maybe for a 9mm. So uh, uh, again I I kind of learned my lesson back in 08 and so when, you know, this happened here this last time again I had kind of laid up some some supplies in stock so that uh, I do have the components to you know to make some ammo if I need it. Luckily though, for me, right before this last election, I kind of stocked up on what I thought I would need. I didn't go crazy, but I got enough to I think that it will tide me over until uh, until we see the ammo shortage kind of come back down again. As far as uh, and again, this is a little bit off of. of off uh, topic of what you were saying, but not too much. As far as if you wanted to buy an AK or if you wanted to buy an AR-15, depending on your state, uh, if you you live in Arizona or Utah, or if you live in in something like that, I think, you know, wait, they'll come around. If you're going to live in a place maybe like New York or something like that, where if you had it before any of the laws went in, and, and went into effect, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what your what your options are gonna be or what you're gonna be able to do. Um now speaking of, of some of the legislation, I saw that this morning that Colorado had passed a ban on what they call high capacity magazines. And I think the number they picked at first when I when I looked at the actual Proposed legislation when I pulled up the bill It was 10 rounds for basically Rifles and 5 rounds if you had a shotgun With a detachable magazine And I think As it got amended It was saying something like It was uh, I think 15 rounds For rifles and handguns Semi-autos, things like that Um I, I don't really know of any manufacturer that makes a 15-round magazine uh, for rifles. Now, for obviously for handguns, there's lots out there that do or, or less. You know that it would fall underneath that. Uh, you know, Glock with a Glock 19 is a 15-round magazine. Uh, XDs have some. Uh, of course, any 1911, even if you had a, a aftermarket mag that held 10 rounds, that's you're still way underneath. Um, But on an interesting note, and I don't know what will happen, I think Magpul is based out of Colorado. And what they had issued, they'd issued a statement that said, look, if if there's legislation in this state that says that the citizenry can no longer own products that we make, which would be a 30-round magazine uh, or a 20-round magazine, for that matter, that we will leave. We'll go elsewhere. And I think there was language originally in the bill that said that that you had to, that that the magazines after the bill after the law goes into effect. So let's say it's it's going to be 90 days from now. Um, so let's say in in May or whatever it's it's going to go into effect. That after May, if you were making a a magazine and it was over 15 rounds that it would have to have a serial number on there and it would have to be clear and it would have to be conspicuous so it would have to be you know on the outside of the magazine where it would stick out of the firearm I guess and that and magpul I guess was saying well we don't we don't want to we're not going to serialize our magazines or we don't want to do that and so what they said is well you don't have to serialize them for anything that's gonna go outside of Colorado. But I don't think that I don't I still don't think that's gonna be enough for Mag uh, for Magpole to stay there. As far as where they're gonna end up, I don't know. I would probably think they would go to someplace maybe like Texas or Arizona, maybe Utah. Texas is real business friendly. Arizona is trying to from what I can understand from some of the stuff I've read from what the governor has said is that she's gonna try and make Arizona, very business friendly, like Texas, meaning that she's going to maybe the, the, the corporations won't be taxed as heavily. And some people will say, well, isn't that you know bad because shouldn't they be paying their share? Well, you have to understand that if a corporation pays less in taxes, that means that that's more investment that they can put either back into the company, which means that's more people that they can hire and more expansion that they can do. So in the long run, Instead of seeming to go after that fat golden goose that lays the one egg, you should go after a hundred little golden geese that lay several little golden eggs. You know, if you're going from a tax standpoint. Uh, But anyway, it will be interesting to see what happens with Magpul. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, companies like, I think it's LaRue Tactical. I can't remember if I mentioned it or not, but I actually got a thing, earlier we were talking about the... uh, the hunting license thing for military. And Ray had written in on, on a, did a post on Facebook, and basically what he said was that in New York, if the servicemen are are stationed there, since they have no say of where they're going to be stationed, for the most part, that New York gives them a, a break, even though, and I'm not sure how, how states determine residency. I, I know it's different for different things. I know it's different for the military. But what New York had said is that, look, if you're stationed here, this is where you're living, so you'll get, you don't get a discount, but what you don't have to pay is an out-of-state fee. Let's talk about some of these bans that are happening and some of these things that are getting passed at the state level. We've been focused a lot on the federal level. But realistically, if... Several of the states enact their own bans. It really won't matter what will happen at the federal level. So remember to contact your state people as well as your federal people. you got to be doing both. And if your state people are doing stuff that's good, you need to contact them and say, hey, you're doing a good job, you're doing what we want, and we'll remember this when it comes time for, to see if we're going to renew your job. You know, we'll say we'll vote for you instead of against you. But unfortunately, what I think we're going to see is that in states where there's a Democrat majority, we're going to see the stuff that Obama wants to come down. We're going to see capacity bans. We're going to see probably confiscation measures in certain states. We're going to see registration. We're going to see an end to, if they've had them, if they have them in those states, we'll see an end to private sales. And some states will do a thing like this. They'll say, well, we're going to close the gun show loophole. And you say, well, what what does that mean? Is that an end to private sales? You mean I can't sell a gun to my brother or my brother-in-law or I can't buy my uncle's shotgun for him or he can't give me his shotgun because he doesn't want it anymore? And they're going to say, no, no, you can. If it's in between family members, you can do that. Or if it's in between... Even good friends of yours, you can do that. But you just can't have a private sale at a gun show. All gun shows, all sales, will have to go through an FFL so that you won't see people anymore walking around with a dowel rod in the barrel of their rifle saying they want $1,000 for their AR-15, that type of thing. And something like that is what somebody like John McCain, who is my senator, my so-called representative, something like that is something that I think that he would be in favor of. It's funny with him, I've sent several emails to him, and I always get the same, and I called the office several times, but I always get the same response. I, I don't ever really get a response from the actual phone calls. But I get the same exact form letter every time I uh, I contact him through email because I always check that I want a response back and it's always the same one. So it's just an automatic thing that gets churned out when anybody ever sends something in. And I kind of get the same thing from Flake. Now, I've talked about before about Matt Salmon and at least on the Second Amendment issue, I think the guy is strong. We'll have to wait and see what kind of things he does and how he votes, but at least when I called his office, his office people said, hey, this guy's strong on the Second Amendment, we're strong on the Second Amendment, and we're not going to vote for anything. We will vote no on any restrictions. And I'm pretty fortunate that at the state level here, there's lots of restrictive stuff that's been offered up. But for the most part, we have a Republican majority. And I've got no love for either the Republicans or the Democrats. But at least in this state, what that means by having a Republican majority is that they're going to fight any new restrictions that come through. And we're we're organized. We have several different organizations that tend to flood our legislators when any of this stuff comes up. It doesn't mean that we get what we want all the time because we don't. But it means that usually what happens is if we don't get to make the strides forward that we want, at least we don't get pushed back. And if we do take a pushback, it's more something like, well, we wanted to get concealed carry holders to be able to carry in schools, and that's going to have to wait maybe for a couple more years. But we're not going further back. But I think these next few years next four years are going to be interesting times. What's that old saying that they have? Hope that you don't live in interesting times. And for those people that say, you know, I just don't like politics. I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have to get involved. Those guys are all weasels and they're oily and they're greasy and I don't want to be tainted by them. And all that kind of stuff. Well, this is, this is what happens when you don't get involved, when you can't be bothered to make a phone call, when you can't be bothered to send an email. Which Those things are nothing. They take zero time. When you can't be bothered to say, look, this guy in the past, he's never voted for anything pro-gun, but he's a Republican, so I'm going to keep voting for him. Well, that's ridiculous. You need to get somebody else in there then. Now, I'm not saying you should run for office. I have no desire to do that. I don't think I have the capacity to do something like that. But I do have the capacity to pick up a phone. I do have the capacity to find out what their voting records are. I do have the capacity to cast my ballot. I do have the capacity to go down and meet them. And that speaks volumes to these guys, especially, especially on the local level. If you have an opportunity to go down and meet your mayor, go down and meet him. If you have an opportunity to meet some city council people, even if you know they're going to disagree with you, go out there and talk to them and say, hey, I, I, I'm a Second Amendment supporter and I don't want you to support or sponsor any legislation that restricts my, my liberty in any way. All right, guys, I tell you what, I'm starting to ramble here a little bit. So I will talk to you next time. Hopefully it won't be uh, as long a break as we had this time. I kind of ran out of time and wasn't able to get stuff put out the way I wanted. Anyway. I uh, will talk to you next time. Take care. Here we go. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend. I-